Welcome to the Amara Podcast. I'm Carrie Hansen. Those first couple of days were sort of like, you know, we had a plan on how it would go, and he would just fall asleep in his room, but given the circumstances, that was not going to happen, so we had to sort of roll with it. There's a lot that goes into adjustment in the first few days. Everyone's really adjusting to a new normal. They're getting to know each other. Part of it is just simply asking, what is it that you need as a foster family right now? The best person to ask is the people you want to help. Being a foster parent can look a lot of different ways. You might provide respite for a child for just a few days or short-term care for a few weeks or even a few years. Sometimes the plan for a child in your home might change to adoption and the commitment becomes lifelong. The length of time a child will be in your home might be unknown and unpredictable. Other times they might move in with adoption as the intended goal. But no matter what ends up happening, which direction things go, foster placements start with a transition, sometimes good, sometimes hard. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. What do the first few days of a new placement look and feel like for foster parents? To find out, we spoke with a few people with firsthand experience. Joe and Paul, a family who fostered through Amara, Kristen Wilson, one of Amara's foster care specialists, and Katie Ferguson, Fostering Families Manager. Let's start with a family. I'm Joe. And I'm Paul. Joe and Paul live in a lovely house at the end of a tree-lined street. Their little dog greeted us with lots of sweet, enthusiastic barking before settling back down on her seat, keeping an eye on things out their front window. My colleague and I went to their house to chat about their experience during the first few days of their first foster care placement. Joe and Paul became foster parents with Amara in early 2014. A few months after getting their foster license, they got a phone call about a nine-year-old boy, we'll call him Mark, in foster care who needed an adoptive home. Right away, things didn't go as Joe and Paul expected. We got an email or a call on a Thursday saying that he was coming to us and that he was coming to us on Friday. So it was a very, very quick turnaround. We were prepared, of course, because Amara assisted us with getting ready for that, but it, we didn't think it would be that quick. <laughs> um, so, so he came to us on Friday night. He was dropped by his aunt who he was staying with. And that was a little odd because there was no one from the state uh, with him. So she just came here and dropped him with uh, like three boxes of clothes. This situation, a child being moved into a foster home with little to no warning is not unique. My husband and I also found out once on a Thursday evening that a child would be coming to our home on a Friday morning. These quick placements are something that Kristen. I'm Kristen and I'm a foster care specialist here at Amara has helped facilitate many times. So what I see in the first few days of placement, it's a whirlwind, it's, it's a lot. You know, it's probably one of the most chaotic times of foster parenting in general. Joe and Paul felt that whirlwind of feelings that many foster parents feel from excitement to nerves. I mean, this is a whole new person living in the home. That's a lot of change and can feel like a lot of pressure. And Mark felt that whirlwind too. He was only nine and had a hard time understanding exactly what was happening to him. Yeah, it was very nerve-wracking. It's like scary having uh, someone to be responsible for in your house. 
especially since he was older like he had his own thoughts his own ideas of what was happening so just nervous about how that was going to play out mm -hmm. I think the feelings that night were just like what the heck is going on like here's a this little kid is really not knowing where he is and we're responsible for him and what's going on it's just a very surreal kind of experience he also was asking about his birth dad he was in his room for a while and then he came out and he's like can i call my dad he's supposed to come pick pick me up one thing that can help calm some of these nerves and relieve a little of that pressure is having an agency like amara there to help we had a lot of support from Amara. Our caseworker at the time was amazing. Uh, I think once we were a match, she contacted us. And I think for maybe a week or two after uh, he was placed with us, we spoke to her like every day. As a former Amara foster parent myself, I totally agree with the value of having our Amara social worker available for support, especially during the first few days of our first few placements. But not everyone needs the same level of support every time, something which Kristen has seen during her time working at Amara. We can have very seasoned foster parents, and this is, they've done many placements, you know, they kind of know the ropes of it and they know what to expect, or it could be your first placement. And so there brings up a lot of emotions around that. You went through a very long, lengthy home study process, and now we're here, you know, so I a lot of nerves, you know, a lot of desire to do very well. And knowing that there's a lot of tasks that are going to be asked of you, especially in that first week. But no matter how many classes you take or how supportive your agency, there will always be things that you are just not prepared for. Joe and Paul had imagined what that first night with their son would look like, but almost immediately an issue came up that they hadn't expected. The other thing I remember from the first night was, you know, we had a room set up for him and every, you know, bed and sheets and everything that he would need. And he had some clothes with him and we put him in the dresser and we just sort of figured he was going to be a little bit scared, a little bit anxious and sort of tired and just sort of crash in his room. We sort of left him in there for a few minutes and then he came out and was like, hey, Joe, hey, Paul. Yeah, what's up? He's like, can I sleep in the living room? A nine-year-old sleeping in their living room was not what Joe and Paul had expected, not what they thought things would look like. But being flexible and letting go of expectations is part of being a foster parent, something Kristen helps many families embrace. A lot of what we do, especially at the time of placement, in the first you know few months of placement, is managing expectations. You know, because whether we think we do or not, we have this image of what a child that comes into our home is going to be like, or what their interests might be, or how this is going to go. Um, and one thing that is absolutely for sure is that will not be how it plays out <laughs> in the home. Joe and Paul sat down with Mark, and by simply listening and asking questions, they were able to get a fuller, more complete picture of what Mark's life had looked like, which made his request, which they didn't understand, totally make sense. And we're like, um, but you know, we have, you have your own room and your bed and everything. And um, he really wanted to sleep in the living room. And so talking to him a little bit more, it turned out that where he was staying at his aunt's house, he slept in the living room and he slept with his aunt's children. So he was with someone and in the living room. And so he, it turns out he was scared to be in the room by himself. 
Taking that time to ask questions and get to know and understand one another is a huge part of the first few days of foster care. They're strangers to you and you're strangers to them. And no matter what, that's going to be a little bit clunky and a little bit awkward. Validating that and normalizing that for families is really big in the first few days. Once Joe and Paul understood why Mark wanted to sleep in the living room and saw how much more comfortable that would make him feel, they worked as a family to find a solution in that moment and over the coming months. And so uh, for the first probably week, we let him sleep in the living room. We had the L-shaped couch and he took the couch and one of us took a futon that we had. And then we were like, well, we need to eventually get him into the, the room. And so we got him into the room, but for a good long time, couple months. couple months, one of us would sleep on the futon on the floor. And then it was a long process of us. It's like, this is ridiculous. We can't keep sleeping on the floor for the rest of our lives on this futon. So we tra- we transitioned out of the room and it was quite a few months of just crying and why, why can't you stay in here? Please stay in here. And we would just sort of say the same thing over again. It's like, you're in your home. We have a dog who slept with him, you know, in his bed. Henna's here with you. It's safe, all the doors are locked, we're both right outside the door. And so he would sort of cry himself to sleep, sort of night after night, week after week. You know, that was a long time ago and he eventually is fine. In addition to all these emotional changes and challenges and getting to know a new person, there are also just a ton of logistical things to work out and get done during the first few days. So there's a lot of tasks. There's a whole checklist, you know, of what you need to be doing that first week of placement. Along with all the forms and checkboxes foster families can pretty much expect, sometimes there are surprise logistics to work out too. So he was nine when he came to us. His birthday was in a week. So within a week, we had to plan a birthday party for a kid. <laughs> uh, once we got all the information, we like scrambled to get our family together and ended up going to like Chuck E. Cheese. The party was a success. Everyone had fun, and Mark got to meet other members of Joe and Paul's family. And while things were starting to smooth out for them, it was still, as Kristen says, a huge time of adjustment. There's a lot that goes into adjustment in the first few days. Um, I think that that would be the word that I would use to summarize overall, is everyone's really adjusting to a new normal. They're getting to know each other. And then you've got a whole layer of department players on top of it. Yes, being a foster parent means jumping in and being part of a team with lots of players. There are social workers, therapists, advocates, teachers, and it can be overwhelming, especially at the beginning. Joe and Paul did a great job advocating for themselves and Mark and created a way for the team to continue to work together on a schedule that felt manageable. So there was like the Amara visit, there was the state uh, caseworker visit, there was the CASA visit, and we were like, this is too much, you all need to come out on one day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we like set it up so that everyone synced their schedule and they only came like, uh, at first it was like once a week everyone came and then it eventually became like once a month or something. Right. And that's from our perspective, from his perspective, it's like, here's a bunch of weird people coming and asking you about all this like painful stuff from the past and so what you know so that was a reason to sort of coordinate it so that everybody came at the same time like let's get this all over with at some time because we don't want to like bum him out you know like this week and next week and it's just every week you're reliving you know ask you know being asked all these questions that are sort of hard and painful maybe to think about so so it was for him as well as us to do that 
In addition to the surprises, unexpected situations, and endless logistics, being a foster parent also requires some vulnerability. You are opening yourself and your home up to strangers, and during the first few days when everything is new and all the adjustments are in full swing, that can leave foster parents feeling exposed. We were also nervous about being a same-sex couple. Before he was placed with us, we asked his aunt to talk to him saying, just so you know, you're going to a same-sex couple's house. And she did very well with it and spun it as if we were her friends. So she was like, you're gonna go stay with my friends for a while. Being a same-sex couple, you're always concerned that you know, uh, the kid is not gonna feel comfortable or whatever, um, but our son was just very, he was unfazed right from the beginning and it's never phased him at all. That, yeah. That's never been an issue for him. Finding a supportive community can help overcome those fears and insecurities. Joe, Paul, and Mark found that support and sense of belonging right in their own backyard. Moving, uh, we uh, moved from a different area into this neighborhood, and we quickly discovered that we were like the fourth same-sex couple just in the block. So that was that felt good. And then um, we had other neighbors who um, adopted their child from Amara. It was nice having them uh, as a uh, people who we could talk to. Yeah, that's a good point. There was also um, other kids in the neighborhood. So on the first couple of days that he was with us, he would go outside to play basketball or we'll throw the football around outside and more kids kept gravitating towards this part of the, the block. And that was just interesting to see. While having support and community around can be a huge help during those first few days, nothing takes the place of you, the foster parent, being home and available. In these first few days, time off is a really big thing for families. And this is something, you know, that we're talking a lot about in the home study process um, and is something that is very understandable when we're going through that. But ultimately, if you have multiple placements, that's a lot to ask. Joe and Paul recognized the importance of simply being around and present when Mark first came to their home. And luckily, they had employers who recognized that as well. I, had, I was working for a great company that had paternity leave based on placement and not adoption. So initially I took Friday off thinking that that would be enough. But then when uh, he came to us, I was like, no, I think I need more time. And so I was just able to request the paternity leave. Sometimes there's little to no warning when a foster child is coming to your home. And that lack of being able to plan and schedule time off from work is hard. It doesn't help that our culture has a limited understanding of foster care and what it's like to be a foster parent. But that is something that all of us can help change. I'm Katie. I'm the Fostering Family Manager at Amara. Fostering Family is an initiative to support children and youth in foster care throughout the Puget Sound region by increasing community-wide support for kids and families. Whether it's volunteering, donating, cooking a meal, or simply challenging our own perceptions, we all have a role. Katie said that supporting our coworkers who are foster parents is something that doesn't always happen, but can make a big difference. I think as one of the things we don't think about is how we can be better coworkers to each other. You might know someone at your work who is a foster parent and is taking placement of a child or who just recently got licensed as a foster parent. We don't celebrate that in our culture as much as we do for those who are biologically having children. And I think that there's a great opportunity for all of us to be a little bit more aware and flexible to um, our coworkers who are fostering. 
While it's important for foster parents to take a break from work and their routine during these first few days, it's just as important to help kids keep theirs. Children in foster care have lost their home, their family, virtually everything that's familiar to them. For school-aged children, keeping connected in their school can be a vital lifeline to their sense of self and belonging. Joe and Paul recognized the importance of keeping Mark in his school, which they did during that time of transition. It was important to keep him in the same school, and so um, and we committed to doing that for the first year, which we did. As a foster care specialist at Amara, Kristen has supported many families through this transition and knows that while it's the goal, things don't always go that way. Oftentimes, schools, in my experience, has been really positive. They really bend over backwards to try and make this happen. And then we have to have those tough conversations and decisions about, okay, is an hour cab ride worth the benefits that it will bring? You know, And that's going to be case by case, without a doubt. Thinking about these transitions and feelings and logistics that foster parents and children have to deal with in the first few days of a new placement can feel overwhelming, like it's a challenge too big and complex to help with. But Katie of Fostering Family says there's lots of things you can do to be supportive. I asked her what people can do to help a foster family that they might know. So I think that the answer to that question looks differently for everybody. So if you are someone who knows someone who's currently fostering or is about to take placement of kids, there is such a wide range of things that I think people can do. And I think a lot of the time we think that what we're doing maybe isn't enough or that we'd have to do some big grand gesture. But I think there's a lot of everyday things that people can do. Katie suggests things like starting a meal train for foster parents, offering gift cards to help meet last-minute or unexpected needs, or offering to babysit to give foster parents some much-needed time to themselves or just a chance to run some errands without kids in tow. For lots more ideas on how you can support youth in foster care, check out the Fostering Family website at www.fosteringfamilywa.org. That's www. Dot fosteringfamilywa.org. Those first few days during placement, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of new experiences that are going to happen, and you can't possibly be prepared for everything in all situations, particularly when you're fostering. You can have all sorts of age ranges, so there's a lot of last-minute needs you're going to have. That's absolutely a place where I think neighbors, friends, family members can come in. Part of it is just simply asking, what is it that you need as a foster family right now? Can I render the store for you? What can I get? How can I help? With the help and support of friends and family, the community, understanding employers, and Amara, Joe and Paul made it through those first few days, weeks, and years. Their son is a teenager now, and while they're still learning and growing as parents, they can look back on those first few days and see how far they've all come. You can only be prepared so much, and then when things actually happen, you just roll with it and figure it out, mm-hmm. uh, and you learn from your mistakes. <laughs> right. For more information on how you can become a foster parent, please visit Amara's website at www.amaraputskidsfirst.org and click on Get Started. To learn more about how you or your business can help support foster families and youth in foster care, please visit the Fostering Family website, www.fosteringfamilywa.org.
Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.